gang. Here's to nights that turn into mornings and friends that turn into family. Cheers! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Friendship IRL podcast. I'm your host, Alex Alexander. My friends, they would tell you, I like to ask the hard questions. You know who I am in the group. I'm the person that's saying, okay, I'm going to ask this question, but don't feel like you have to answer it. And now I can be that friend for you too. Today's episode is with Jenny Halla. When Jenny and I first chatted, there were multiple moments in our discovery call. Mind you, a discovery call is like 10 to 15 minutes. And there were multiple moments where both of us were looking at each other and said, oh my gosh, I have chills. Our conversation was just so natural, so alive, so connected that I was really excited about the recording itself. And although I had some sense, of the direction this episode was going to go, I could never have predicted the recording we have. You see, when Jenny reached out to me, she told me in her very own words that the friend thing has been an on and off experience for me. And at the heart of this episode, I think that's the most important thing for you to know. This episode is a transformation in Jenny's friendship beliefs. She came in here thinking that she was a bad friend or too much or wasn't doing it the way she should. What even is a friend? And she ended this episode by telling me, I feel so liberated. I think deep down, I knew I was doing this in the way that felt right to me. And oh my gosh, I could not have predicted it. I could not have been more thrilled. It really is a conversation that, oh my gosh, so different, such a transformation. Let me tell you a bit more about Jenny before we get into this recording. Two years ago, Jenny went through a pretty dramatic shift in her life by choice. You see, she used to live a pretty conventional lifestyle. She was in a sales career. She was married, she was planted, and her and her husband decided to trade that conventional lifestyle for a more nomadic existence. So they hit the road with their pups and have been traveling around the country running their own businesses. Jenny is a transformative energy healer, an Akashic Records guide, and a soul activator. So when I say we got chills, kind of makes sense. She's pretty tapped in. With that, let's get to today's episode. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hey, Alex. (laughs) I am doing really good today. (laughs) I am so excited that you're here. And wherever this conversation takes us, I think it's going to be a good one. And, you know, we were just chatting a little bit, but I was asking, like, how often you move, because that's probably something pretty important for people to know is that. You are pretty nomadic. You move around quite a bit. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how often you move, how long you've been doing this? Maybe even some of your favorite places. Ooh, that's always a tricky question, the favorite places one, but I'll start with the other two. So we, over two and a half years ago, we sold everything and we left St. Pete, Florida and embarked on a nomad journey. And it's me and my husband. And at the time we had one dog and we said, okay, well, we'll go six, maybe 12 months. We'll see what happens. And fast forward two and a half years later, we're still on the road living this lifestyle. And a lot of people usually ask or like, do you have a van? Do you have a camper? Do you have a bus? I just got asked for the first time yesterday, like, do you have a schoolie? Oh. <laughs> like, no, no, no. We stay in furnished places, just like home. And we stay in the United States right now because of our senior dog. When we started, we stayed about two weeks at a time. And that felt like a long time. And then now... One month kind of feels short. So we usually stay one to three months in a place. And by the time we're coming up on the third month, we're like ready to go to the next place. It's definitely a different lifestyle. We do have a second dog now. And this is completely how we live. So 
I mean, maybe you can't pick a favorite place, but what are your <laughs> some of your favorite places? Some of the maybe more memorable places. For me, I love the outdoors. So that's going to be like what I'm speaking into. So I love being outside and hiking. So my absolute favorites are Montana and Idaho. And of course, I love Utah and I love New Mexico and I love Arizona. I pretty much love out West. And I'd say a good follow-up other place that's been my favorite has been Asheville, North Carolina. Mm. I know the mountains aren't as big, but there's still a really good community there. There's still mountains. There's still hiking. You can hike all four seasons there easily. And then surprisingly, coming back to Florida, we've been back in Florida for nine days now, and I didn't realize how much I missed Florida. I'm going to get distracted by like Northern California and yeah. like, all of those places. <laughs> I mean, understandable. There's lots of beautiful places in the U.S. Lots I haven't even been to yet. Mm. So when you left two years ago, mm-hmm. I'm curious. I always have this inclination to kind of do what you're doing. And every time my husband is like, yeah, but you would be so sad mm-hmm. to move away from your people. What was it like deciding to pack it up, move away from home? Maybe it was great. Maybe it was sad. I have no idea what the answer here is. I'm just curious. (laughs) I'm going to back up a little bit because I think I have a history of being excited about these types of things. Mm -hmm. I have a very wanderlust type soul. I've always wanted to do something like this. And even playing sports through high school in the summers, I played competitive sports like I always made people upset, let's put it that way, because they would invite me to do things and I'd be like, well, I have a softball tournament. And then like the one Mm. weekend I wouldn't have a tournament, I would try to make plans. Nobody can make plans. So I made a decision early on. I like, I got sick of my friends, whatever that meant, not never being able to do anything. So I would just fill my schedule and then they would be mad. I was never available, but I'm like, well, like, I'm not just going to sit around and wait for you guys to invite me somewhere. I'm going to go play sports. I'm going to go do things. So fast forward into living in St. Petersburg. I had a national sales job for like five years. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't home in Florida regularly. And so between that and leaving, I maybe had about two years where I was starting to have somewhat of what I guess you could call the normal lifestyle. But now that I've lived this nomadic lifestyle, there is normal lifestyle. Like what, what is I that? Perceived, yeah. Yeah. Like what I perceived to be normal, like I could join volleyball leagues and I was like, you know, had friends and I was doing things. So I was really enjoying that. But I think that especially living in a place like Florida, a lot of people are very used to people being transient and they come and go. And, you know, it was like, oh man, I'm going to miss my friends, but I'll see them again one day. Like, I think I've already been conditioned to be like, I've always been the one leaving because of mm-hmm. my travel interests. I mean, I think a lot of people can identify with that, right? Like the messaging out there is if nobody wants to do it with you, just go do it alone. And quite often I say like, well, if you go do the thing you want to do, you'll meet other people who want to do that thing. So I would imagine that there are a lot of people out there like you who were already like had a very full schedule, things didn't align. You get frustrated and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go do the things I want to do. Right. Like, I think that's very, very common. And I was always really independent too. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of people would be like, I'm so afraid to go to the movies by myself, or I'm very afraid to go eat by myself or whatever it was. And I was like, I'm going to go do it. I wanted to be able to hold that confidence and not have those things hold me back from enjoying. Because for me, I think the bottom line thing is I want to enjoy life and live it to the fullest. And so I can like hearing that song, ain't nobody gonna hold me down. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like hearing that song right now. <laughs> I don't want to be held there down by anything or anybody, family, friends. Like I don't really want to be held down by anything. Yeah. You want to go build this life that you envision. Yeah. So then you get on the road. You're out there. What is it like meeting new people? being the new person in town, but maybe you're there for three months. How is it connecting with the people around you? It's been different in each place. And I'm not going to say good or bad because I have a whole lot of different experiences with this. The cool thing is by nature, I'm inquisitive. I'm curious. I like talking to people. So it's easy for me to strike up a conversation with a rock on the road 
you know, like it doesn't matter. Like I can talk to anybody. So it really just depends on where we are. I'm usually so curious about things. So like I'll ask things at the grocery store. Like when we were in Oklahoma, I was like, so what's up with this huge ass high school here? You go to high school there? The kid was like, yeah, I go to high school there. And I was like, okay, well, like, why is it so big and so nice? Like, is it brand new? Like, what? what is this? He's like, that's just the front. It's been there 15 years and it's really beat up behind the scenes, but the front looks really good. And I'm like, oh, so like I use those kind of things. And granted, I wasn't looking to make friends with the, you know, 16 year old, but like, yeah, you're just like interacting with the people around you. Yeah. About the area and see, and then, you know, like this thing leads to the next and I follow the breadcrumbs. So I think for me, sometimes I'm really motivated in areas to follow breadcrumbs and other times I'm not. Like if we're more in the country, I take that back. It's so interesting because as I'm going through this, it's like, I think it depends like what kind of friends or what kind of experiences, right? Like if we're mm. in the country and we're staying, like when we stayed outside of Waynesville, North Carolina, it was obvious that we didn't live there because the other people who lived on this tiny country road have lived there for many, many years. So when they would pass us, they're like, oh, who are those people? Did they just move here? And then they would pull over with their truck and be like, hi, I'm Bob. And you're like, hey. And you're like, oh, wait, I'm in the country. This is what people do. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, like I, I got a local farm around the corner. You want to come visit sometime? You're like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, like I'm telling you the stories about where they grew up. So it's very easy to connect with people, especially in places like that. But once again, are you there to find people your age? Are you there to find people who like the same interests? Are you there? Like, what does friends mean? I don't know. I can Mm -hmm. find connections about anywhere, but I don't know. It's fleeting. You know, Bob might just be like a acquaintance, a community connection, a familiar connection, somebody who makes it easier when you do drive to this home that you're living in for a few months and you can like wave and say hello. Because I think you're right. So often we don't know what a friend is. This friend is this like all-encompassing idea when in reality we have this like whole spectrum of friendship that we kind of ignore, which could be as simple as somebody that you like do an activity with in the three months that you're in Asheville and you really enjoyed that and like that had value even if it wasn't this all-encompassing like lifelong friendship and just Mm -hmm. allowing that stuff to be what it is instead of trying to like force it to reach some peak version (laughs) of friendship and so then you have you know Bob Bob could just be some like color in this place you're living a familiar face, somebody you say hi to, somebody mm-hmm. that if something like went bad and you needed a hand, yeah, you'd like run on over, knock on the door and be like, hey, Bob. I still have Bob's number. So I probably could call him and he'd probably like help me out with anything. Like he gave me his number, you know, and he's like, let me know you're back in town. Yeah. Like, and I would, that would be my personality to reconnect, you know? So it's really interesting. The things that are going through my brain as you're bringing this up, is if I look at our overall two and a half years, I guess the places where I feel like I had friends, right? Because we had those shared connections. Asheville, for sure, was one of them because I went hiking with people. I went to like the young professionals. They had a digital nomads meetup group, which is funny. I went there expecting everybody was like me. No, like they just work from home, which they consider themselves a digital nomad. And they're all like living there (laughs) in Asheville. And I was like, literally like the only one who was actually like, traveling and living or they traveled and then they ended up staying in Asheville. They loved Mm. it so much and they never left. So I did make a lot of really cool friends there who I still keep in touch. And then we stayed in Vero Beach, Florida. I played volleyball with a small group of people three days a week. And those people I still keep in touch with. They weren't as solid of connections when I stayed three months in Fort Walton Beach, Florida and played volleyball. I don't think I plugged into that community consistently enough to have that blossom i know i could show back up and they'd be like oh yeah we remember you right yeah and then i think about the loneliest i've been and the absolute Mm. loneliest i've been was when we stayed in idaho and we stayed in northern idaho up by the border of canada and we stayed there three and a half months through winter i'm glad we did it because i feel like i can relate to those people who live in that part of the world where it gets dark at 3 30 
<laughs> that's where I live. Yeah. That was really Pretty tough. Close. And we were 30 miles away from the small town that mm-hmm. was really small. And so it was pure country roads driving out there. And I really didn't feel comfortable driving because I've got my Florida all weather tires and I wasn't yeah. going to invest. And so I'm like, I don't want to be in town and then have this crazy snowstorm come in. So like just being dark and we were literally in a town that is so small, like it's not like there are things to go walk and hang out with people unless you drove 30 minutes to the small town, which I had a couple friends in that small town. But once again, the one friend was a homesteader guy and he lived up on a mountain. So obviously he was trying to get home before dark because snow and like just totally different. So that was the loneliest I had been. I was like, I remember posting on Facebook and be like, anybody want to talk? I'm lonely as hell. Like anybody, I'll talk to anybody. Like, I don't care. That part was tough. Well, I would imagine that such a huge place of moving and meeting new people is like going to public spaces in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like going to places where people are hanging out, cafes, parks, events. Like Mm -hmm. things where other people are being social. And when you're up in this house in North Idaho, the only way that people are hanging out is if they have like the familiarity, the connection, the vulnerability, the openness to be like, hey, come to my house. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. I mean, some people might do that. Who knows? Bob might have done that. We we had a couple of those in Northern Idaho, yeah. but once it got too cold, that stopped, right? Like yeah. we had it in the fall. And then once winter came, that wasn't on the table. Yeah. Like I think there's something to be said about trying to crack into people's homes in a lot of places in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is hard. People like really see that as their space. Like we have these weird things about letting people into our houses. So unless somebody has like decided that they're going to be a person where their house is like very open and they let new people in all the time. And I say that because like I'm one of those people, but not everyone is. That would for sure make it harder, I think. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you're right. You have to drive 30 minutes. Go. Hang out the bar. Because that's where I met the people. But also a lot of people who are in that bar, I would guess have probably are meeting up with someone where they have like a prearranged, like let's meet at 6 p.m. because everybody's so housebound a lot of the time. Yeah. And that one specifically, I figured out what time to go because they all got off work somewhere between 3 and 4.30 and they all knew each other and they all sat at the bar together. So I knew that that's when I could go see like the friends I had met and they knew that I was not a local. Right. Because they went there every day and they were like, Hey, who are you? You know, who's this girl? So I noticed in smaller towns, I feel like it's so much easier to connect with people than in a larger city. Like when we were in Boise, I found it difficult to figure out like where to plug in. It was almost overwhelming with how many people, maybe because we had just came from Northern Idaho. I don't know that contrast. Yeah. But when we were in Boise, I was like, where do I even? Like, and if you don't drink, like, mm-hmm. are you just going to go hang out at a bar? You're not going to order any beers. You don't have that common interest with somebody. It is interesting, right? Because in the smaller towns, well, first of all, like you acknowledge how much work it is for you to figure out what time to go to mm-hmm. make it seem a little bit like you're casually running into people or <laughs> yeah. meeting up with them where you don't quite reach the place where you like have each other's number and like set up. So you basically have to like plan to just happen to be there Mm -hmm. when they're also there. And so when you go to these bigger cities, I think that becomes harder because people have more options of places to go and therefore they're not as consistently going to the same place. Mm -hmm. So even if you go every day at 3 to 4.30, that doesn't mean the same group is going to go there like in a small town where there's like one bar where everyone goes after work. So you can go to the same place, but it's so hard to like actually build consistency because the person you met yesterday may never go back there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like more of a lottery to see whether you're (laughs) going to see the same people. Yeah. If this whole thing, this whole like, where do I go to meet the people, the small town versus big city, if this is interesting to you, then I would highly suggest that you go listen to episodes 38 and 39, which are back-to-back episodes about a concept called 
third places. Third places are basically the living rooms of our communities. They're the places you go and see familiar faces without the need to set up those friend dates or do the friendship admin, make the plans, but rather to just kind of go somewhere and trust that you're going to see the same people frequently enough that you will develop connections over time. Well, and two, like what I'll do when I go, these are some of the ways that I like before I go in, I usually, honestly, I usually know more about the area than like the random local that I meet. Like I'll usually know more about the pulse of what's going on because I go on to like visit Bonner's Ferry and I like look at the chamber side. I look at the local sites. I I read some articles. I kind of get an idea of like what the top touristy things are to do to get bearings for the area. And then I go, all right, well, that's some of that's not my thing. So what then is the next layer that the locals do? right? Like, or what's some of the like hidden gems that fall between like super touristy and locals? Because a lot of times I'll be like, oh yeah, I went to this really dope ass place. And I remember getting my hair done when I was in Lake City, Florida. And I was talking about like all the beautiful natural Florida Springs that are within 30 minutes of Lake City. And she was like, I've never been there. I've never heard of that. I've never been there. And I was like, she grew up there. And I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What? Like, it just blows my mind. I don't know. I think sometimes I may be too much for people. You know, I got too much exposure to things depending on where I am. And other times I'm just enough, you know? I also think you're just, as I'm listening to this, it's like the amount of intentional work you are doing to set yourself up for success for not even necessarily... Like so many people come on this podcast and they want to make like deep, close friends when they travel around. And Mm. I'm not saying that you don't want to do that, but I'm saying that you have decided you see the value in even like the simpler of connections, like just feeling like you belong in the community itself. Just having familiar faces and acquaintances just having what I call like defined friends, so like your volleyball people and feeling like you could show back up in that group. Like a lot of people don't see the value in those simpler connections. But the thing is that those are the places that you build the bigger ones. Like you can't just skip over and go to the bigger ones. But a lot of people come out here, and by out here, I mean like on this podcast, or they talk to me and uh-huh. they say, you know, I just want to find my new best friend Hmm. and they want to skip all the work you're doing because they just don't see it as valuable. So Hmm. the more we're talking about it, the more I am like, this is so unique that you're doing all this work because even people who live somewhere long-term don't want to do this work. Hmm. A lot of them don't even see this as valuable. And A lot of people that I've talked to that are nomads also want to kind of skip this and are just out there frequenting cafes to like find that one new friend that they can do a bunch of stuff with while they're in that city or that country or that place. And then when they move, they like stay in touch with that one person. What you're doing is so different than what most people come on here and do. Even people that live somewhere long-term. My mind is blown and I'm appreciative for the perspective shift because in the relationship with my husband or even in my perspective of my own life's experience, my husband uses the terms friends and acquaintance very, very differently. Mm -hmm. He has friends who he's known since high school and they bonded over life, right? In high school, like tough experiences together. And this group of people they would literally have each other's backs. Like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't even matter. And he laughs all the time at the way I use the word friend because I'm like, oh, Bob's my friend. And he's like, no, Bob's an acquaintance. Like we don't know Bob, right? And it's fine. He doesn't get on me for it. But interestingly enough, this came up recently where someone him and I both know had expressed in the past they wanted to be my friend. Mm -hmm. And I guess didn't feel like I was being a friend back. I don't know. 
And I was like, I don't know, like, don't we got a text or something if you want to be my friend? Like, what does this mean, be my friend? Like, I was confused when he told me this, my husband told me this. We recently talked, me and this girl. And it was interesting because it was like, what does a friend mean? Mm -hmm. You want to be my friend. Like, what does that mean? Like, and we talked about our different perspectives of friendship. For her, you know, like what friendship means and for me, what friendship means. And it seems like the common thread that comes out, which is maybe the inverse of what people typically are looking for, I guess, is that like long friendship. I think my husband and her have a perspective on like how I view friends in my life and what I've grown up with is like that I've never really had one of those like ride or die friends or what happened? She said, what happened to you along the way where you're just not open or something like that? Like what happened to you where Mm -hmm, you're not open mm -hmm, to it? I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know. And I've been sitting with this. I'm like, so we're like planning to be friends. I'm confused. Like I I genuinely am confused. It's not that I don't want to be friends with her, but I'm like, so I got a plan to text you. I'm, I'm confused now. So I'm really curious. Welcome to the moment in this podcast recording where I was like, whoa, this is going to be such a good one. (laughs) Truly, I was freaking out inside, which you'll hear in a minute. I want to point out that if you are also like, what is a friend? This is not surprisingly a common theme that comes up on this podcast. I want to point out a couple episodes you can go listen to. I would suggest episode three, which is titled, What is a Friend? I would also suggest listening to episode 12, which is about my roots framework, because it's going to show you some of the friendships you do have, the ways that you're connected. I think that's helpful. And I would suggest episode 33 with NCHEM. That episode was actually, shockingly enough, with somebody else who's nomadic. But I think that this question of what is a friend A lot of people are asking it, but if you are moving around, it accelerates this question. It makes it more pressing. And that's why it keeps coming up in episodes with people who are moving around quite often. Now, as like just referring back to this conversation I'm having with Jenny, if you go to my website, we will link it in the show notes. I have this framework, I call it my wheel of connection, and it talks about the types of friends in your life. The reason I love this framework, the reason I think that it is so important and I need to get it into as many people's hands as possible is because what we're looking for in friendship is connection. And we have a lot of connection in our life. We have community, family, friends, past friends virtual connection, chosen family. Like there's so many places that connection comes into our life. And my wheel of connection acknowledges that. The current definition of friendship, the way we talk about friendship is that there is one right way. And I just really disagree with that. I think that everybody gets to build their own unique wheel of connection. And whatever feels right to you is right for you. And what is right for a friend or a spouse or a family member may not feel right for you. But when we just have, first of all, these siloed off areas of connection, we have community versus acquaintances versus family versus friends, and we don't look at them cumulatively, that's a problem. But secondly, what I think we're talking about here is some people, including societal messages tell us that we should really, really prioritize what I call present and historic friendships. That those are the golden ticket, the creme de la creme, what we should all want. But for some people, it might not be. Present historic friendships are a lot of work to maintain. And also, they may not encompass all of our interests and passions and seasons of life. Some people might prefer community and simpler friendships, which I call familiar or defined friendships. There is no right way to do this. If I could stand up and die on a hill 
it would be, there is no right way for your friendship and community and connections to look. You're not a bad friend. You're not a bad person. You're not weird. You're not too much. You're not anything. It doesn't matter. There is no moral compass to the way that your community and your connections look. All that matters is that you are building what feels right to you. Okay, so so many things here. One, so many people have never had that ride or die, BFF forever, whatever friendship. Just let's put that out there. A lot of people have not had that. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's anything wrong with not having that. Also, some people don't want that. Hmm. I just got chills. Because, I wonder if that means I don't want it. Well, because <laughs> I'm here's afraid to admit it. Because here's the deal. It's all hard work. But mm-hmm. somehow we've made one version of hard work like more I want to say like right. Mm-hmm. Like one version of friendship is right and one version of friendship is wrong. And society really tells us that we should all want that ride or die friendship. That's how we should fill our social wellness bucket. That if you can't get it, something's wrong with you. And that you should want to build that. Mm-hmm. You should, right? But it's a lot of work to build those kinds of friendships because you're really true. It's like being in a romantic relationship. You have to like really get to know this person. You have to consider all the changes going on in their life and how that impacts your friendship. You have to adjust to that. Like that's work. And the way that I think we've gotten around that is we really celebrate these kind of like pick up where we left off friends. So people say, you know, like, oh, I just want to make this like close friend that I can tell everything to. But when I'm busy, we can just let it ride and pick up where we left off. And it's like, (laughs) it doesn't really work that way. That is still going to change your friendship. It's going to feel different, even if we don't all want to admit it. So really you're doing the work. Okay. That's what a lot of people say is like, quote unquote, the right way to do friendship. The other way is to build this like broader support system and Both are hard work. Most people don't want to do that hard work, which I think is the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's just as hard to go to a new place every three months and start to try and feel like you belong there. That like you have familiarity there, that you can let your guard down and relax there because you have some sense of familiar faces and places and like the social norms in that place and how to show up. And most people don't want to do that work. So both are hard work. We've just made one seem better than the other. And in my mind, I'm like, who freaking cares? Like, I don't care what you build as long as it feels right to you. And to some people that might be building this like broader community base with only a few people that ever reached kind of those higher ones or gets deeper. I think the community stuff in my mind is like broad and wide. And then there's like the depth and we see the depth as like the pinnacle and the thing we should all want. Like you're married. You have, you have to have some depth with someone. I'm sure you have family or people. Like there are people you are close mm-hmm. with. It sounds to me like you really enjoy the breadth. Yeah. You know, and I really appreciate this because a couple things that I'm pulling from this as my truce from here on out. And of course, I'm open to ebbing and flowing as my life changes is that is being okay with the fact that yes, I have had rider dies. Maybe they mm-hmm. haven't looked like your ride or die since middle school to, you know, 45. But I have had ride or dies, but they've been in my life like for a season. Mm-hmm. And I know that this may be tough for some people to hear, but this is the reality for me. As I said this recently is like, no one likes when friends go out of our life because, mm-hmm. you know, our life changes or especially for me, I don't have children. And so as some of my friends that I was really close to started having mm-hmm. children, 
we split apart? It's not because I didn't want to be a part of it, but, you know, they moved more out into the burbs and they began having different lifestyle and different things. And so naturally, we just didn't have the same things in common. So I think because I've had such a transient lifestyle, maybe, I don't know, if some of my really good friends in my life now were not to be my good friends in the future, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would be upset for sure, but I don't think it would just so devastate and crush me because I know that another person would come in. And for me, at least the people that I've been ride or die with have mostly been people where we've started with some kind of a shared experience, some kind of a shared, you know, whether it be through sports or through like talking about bullshit at work, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever your shared connection is that then built into something else. I want to explain this a little deeper. I want to touch on this a little more because I think it's really important. You, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably heard me mention my Roots of Connection framework. You can find out more about it on my website. You can go to alexalex.link slash roots. Or you can listen to episode 12 where I break this whole framework down. What Jenny is referring to here, if you go to a retreat and you have these deep conversations where you are really being open and vulnerable and connecting and developing emotional intimacy. That is one of the types of roots. Emotional intimacy is one of the types of roots. And you can develop that in a variety of ways, which is what I'm acknowledging. Like You can also develop emotional intimacy by letting each other into your life, getting to know family or friends or your romantic partner by trying something new and looking like a beginner. We all know that's vulnerable. There are so many ways you can do this. And it's not just sitting around and deeply sharing. Sure, that's one way. And I think it's a really celebrated way. It's a really encouraged way. But there are lots of other ways. We are connected to our friends in a variety of ways whether it's through the various ways we spend time together or the things we talk about, the details we know about each other, our history and memories, or even the beliefs. By the way, those are some of the examples of the categories of roots. But that is all to say, yes, you can go make some lifelong friends and get really vulnerable to retreat. Sure. You also could meet a neighbor and decide that you're going to do life together. I mean, roommates, think about roommates. That's a pretty quick way to develop a close friendship. You're going to learn things about each other just by existing in each other's space on the day-to-day, by hearing about each other's day, by recounting stories of what made you frustrated at the office. There are a variety of ways to do this. And or you had continuous experiences together over and over and over at choir, at sports, at reading club, whatever. Yeah. Work. The thing that I've said this, and I think with my husband being so like hardcore, like he wants the inner friends. He doesn't really like, he likes the community. He finds himself being let down by people. So that kind of puts his guards up more. Mm -hmm. Because he like has a certain expectation, right? Like he shows up with a certain amount of like trust and loyalty and Mm -hmm. respect and love and care. And then that's not always reflected back. And so it kind of like, he goes more and more into his shell Mm -hmm. because then people don't, you know, that doesn't happen. I mean, societal messages really push this idea that you just need a handful of really close people and that's it. And a lot of people have whittled themselves down to like what you're saying exactly like trusting just a couple people with kind of everything and lacking that greater support and I think there's a balance to all of it which is why my wheel of connection framework exists because what we've done is like siloed we've taken it and separated all the different types of support we have like family and friends and community which you know acquaintances and things in there 
and romantic partnership. And they're all different. And instead, we should be looking at them all holistically. And whatever your right version is, whether that is more of those, what I call like present friends, like really close, deep friendships, or maybe there's a little bit less of that and there's more family. Maybe there's less family and more community. Like, I think everybody's is going to look different. We are all different, unique individuals. Why would we think that the exact same number of people is going to work for every person? It's so different for people. So instead of continuing to perpetuate this message, like all we need is a couple close people, that may not feel right for people. And if that doesn't feel right, then we should believe them. Like, right, I should believe you when you say you like building that broader base. Great. And if one day you woke up and you decided you wanted a couple more closer, deep friendships, guess what? You would have this broad base of people to go out and connect with and find some of that consistency and time and energy and like invest and build that. You know what I would love to have, and this has been something I've wanted for a while and it just hasn't manifested or shown up in my life yet, is I would love to have a group of friends, couples, whatever, who, because I'm an entrepreneur and so Mm -hmm. is my husband. And so we think differently. And of course, living a nomad lifestyle, we live very differently. I would love to find other people who are think different and live different and whatever that means where we could have some kind of a relationship with, right? Where you could go to a mastermind in Italy or something. And not only Mm -hmm. is it a friend's girls trip, but it's also a bit of like a pouring into each other experience. And Mm -hmm. I know that for me, at least, and based on what you're saying, this is grounding that in even deeper, is not having all of my worth beyond if I have that or not. Because Mm -hmm. yes, you see it on YouTube or you see it, you know, in other circles, but I can still hold the intention that that's something that I want to call into my life. And let's put it this way, not settle, mm-hmm. not settle. Because I have a group of friends that we could have had that, but we're all, I've realized now we're all very, very different. I would mm-hmm. not want to go vacation with them. Like they're cool to go hang out and have a little potluck, but I don't. Yeah, it's not the right fit. Like, it's not, not like the right that. fit. It's not like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And like you could try and force it, which is what I think a lot of people would try and do. And mm-hmm. that you're like, it's just not right. But what is beautiful is that you know what you want and you're already doing something that a lot of people have a hard time doing, which is putting yourself out there to the broader spaces. And so I think there's something really powerful. You've created like a filter. That's what I call it, right? It's like if you wanted to buy a new car and you were like, I just want to buy a new car. And then you walk through your day and there are freaking cars everywhere. There's so many cars, red cars, blues cars, big cars, trucks, convertibles, right? You're like, I just want a car. And you're like overwhelmed. But naturally, when we say, I want a red van, like a car I would never want, a red van. (laughs) Suddenly you walk through your day and you see red vans everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And that still may not be the red van that you want, but it starts to help you filter what you're seeing. So what I think you're doing is you've created this filter where now you can go out into these community spaces that you're going and start telling people that like, this is what you would like. And at some point, the right people will start to appear because you know what you're looking for and you're Mm -hmm. already meeting the number of people. Yeah. And the other vision that came to my mind when you said that was like, I felt like some of these people are going to be people that I'm going to meet online first, Yeah, whether it be through a group program I'm in or a community I'm in or whatever, I'm going to meet them just like I met you. Yeah, And then it's going to build like that, which then will turn into the next thing. So I think there's a level of what I'm hearing from you is there's also a level of patience that you're probably encouraging everybody and reminding everybody to have in the process. <laughs> I just think as adults, we forget that the people that we're closest to even now, like your husband, for example, those people Mm -hmm. that he is closest to, he wasn't just like immediately their best friend. They 
over time got to know each other. They sat in the same class. Then they went to soccer practice together. Then they invited each other to help with homework. And then they went on a soccer trip together where they met each other's parents. And I mean, that's just an example, but like Mm -hmm. there is a build to friendship. And I think as adults, we look at maybe some of our more long-term friendships and we want them to just be immediate. People walk around going into spaces like the bar after work and they just want this immediate, like almost romantic connection with somebody. They're going to see their new best friend across the bar and be like, that person is it. Mm -hmm. That is so unlikely. Mm -hmm. And even if that happened, you still would have to build a relationship. Like sure, maybe it felt easy and you trusted each other a little bit easier than most people, you still had to build. Mm-hmm. No matter what, it's not instantaneous. Like, I just really think as adults, we forget that. We want to just jump to this thing. So, what I often am encouraging people to do is like put themselves out there, go to those spaces where people might be, start talking to people, and you're already doing that part. You're doing the part that most people have the hardest time doing. And then you already have some sense of your filter, whether you've maybe said that out loud to people in these spaces or not, which you might not, because then it's hard to find the people. Mm -hmm. But you start doing that and like, yeah, there's some patience, but I really do think that that's how we start to build what we want. Like I'll give a Mm -hmm. personal example. I wanted more entrepreneur friends, like online business owner friends, because a lot of the friends I had when I started this business, they work in corporate. They have no idea what I do on the day-to-day. And although they are incredibly supportive and very sweet people, I honestly think most of them just like have no freaking clue what my day looks like. Like, why would they really want to learn every nuance? Because it doesn't impact what they do. So I decided I wanted to make some like online entrepreneur friends. So I started going out. I started interacting in groups, right? Putting myself in that broader community. I started joining programs or classes. I started messaging people after and be like, hey, it was so nice to meet you. Do you want to meet up for a Zoom coffee chat? I would... DM with them on Instagram when they posted Mm -hmm. something and be like, my gosh, you said you wanted that opportunity. You got it. Congrats. I started slowly putting that out there. And over time, over a few years, I now have built this really cool group of online entrepreneur friends, most of whom I've never met, but would Mm -hmm. happily get on a plane and see or if I was in their city for some reason, would 100% tell them I'm coming and ask if we can meet up. But I knew what I was looking for. And then I put in the effort to put myself out there and to keep engaging. And honestly, I bet you there's even like a better, not better, but like a deeper version of what I've built. But again, that takes time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in another three years, I might be able to report an entire layer to this that I couldn't even tell you is possible right now. You know, as you say that, I like three different things pop in my mind, three totally different directions. One, just to say like the deeper level, I feel like a place that deeper bonds could be formed pretty quickly would be in a very intimate transformational retreat That's like five, seven, 10 days where you all are there with a similar challenge or a similar, like you're wanting to step into a new version of yourself where like you're crying around the fire because the person hosting the retreat is like created this space that everybody feels safe to just go there. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, lifelong friends, right? Like those things could happen very quickly. Yes, but that's only one version, I would say, of depth, right? Because those people Mm -hmm. I might go and I might tell them all about my life and maybe the the struggle it has been, you know, to start an online business or something, the new version of me I want to be. There's also depth to like, if I really wanted to get closer to those people, them then maybe flying to Seattle and meeting my friends and family or staying at my house. Like there's always more layers. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And that's, I think, where some of our longest, closest friends are so dear 
Like I get why people hold them dear, but it's just a different version. Like there's a place for all of this, I guess is what I'm saying. Nothing is better necessarily than the other Mm -hmm. because my closest friends, one of the reasons that it's so easy to be close is because I can travel with them. I can tell them today in therapy was absolutely terrible. I can show up at their house and hang out. I can suggest we go try a new activity where we're both going to look like beginners. (laughs) It's kind of like the variety of ways Mm -hmm. also matters. So it's both. Now that's cool. My really good friend right now, I have a hard time saying best friend, but I guess my best friend right now. I don't like that word. Okay, so good. don't okay, feel my my closest friend right now. Yeah. One of the ways that I love that because she moved from the PNW, she moved from Oregon to Tampa Bay, where she did have some people she knew. And then coming here, she had expectations like, oh my God, it's gonna be so great. We're gonna hang out all the time. And of course, for her, especially leaving friends and family, because she had been in that area a long time was tough, but they were excited for the new adventure. And one of the things that she really came into, and it's been fun watching her, is she talks about like, she's always talks about plugs, like who she's plugging into. Like I get mm. plugged into the most, which is like what you're talking about. I, I do the most with her, but I'm not really like a drinking friend with her. So she yeah. plugs in her drinking friends into that plug or, you know, her more like business friends into the other plug. Like the business friend doesn't talk about the spiritual stuff, you know, like it's the different plugs that she has. And I think part of that transition coming here for her was thinking that plugs existed that really didn't. Or when she tried to Mm. plug them in, it was like, Ooh, this isn't comfortable. This is, I thought we were there. I thought we were this level of connectedness, but we're not in that way. So maybe that could be some of the disappointments we have too. thinking, like you said, someone could plug into all aspects of our life. And then we realize, well, those aren't gaming friends. I, those people don't really like playing card yeah. games like we do. Yeah. Maybe not that place. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like here's an example of that. So these same friends I was just talking about, right. I can do all these things with her, him. We're both friends and my husband. We all have our separate friendships, but they have been golfing a lot lately. They've been going golfing. They go to the driving range on Fridays. And Michael, my husband, has been going too. And golf is kind of a new activity, but he's like really excited to go with them. And I have gone a few times and hit some balls at the driving range, hung out other nights, like just sat there and chatted with them. And I'm having to decide if I want this to be a plug. Hmm. It's not even about whether they're the right fit or not. They're so welcoming. It's more just like, do I even want to do this activity? Mm -hmm. And I really might. I don't know yet. I really haven't decided. It's cool. But like some of that is they're inviting me. And I don't even, I don't know. I just, I don't know. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if, if I do, if I want it to be as frequent as they're going, even if they're inviting me all the time. So like, I'm trying to decide as well, is that really how I want to use my time? Or are there other things I want to do, like I'd rather plug in on? Mm -hmm. It's both like, is that person a good fit? Or also just like, do I even like this way we're spending time together? Like drinking would be another great one. Like they Mm -hmm. might invite you all the time. It's so nice to be invited. It might be miserable to sit there at the table and be the only sober one. Mm -hmm. I I would know I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. So like sometimes it's also us deciding if we even want to plug in. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's probably something that's happening maybe like not consciously, like with a conscious effort on people. It's maybe just happening when people are feeling like the drifting apart mm-hmm. because they're not wanting to plug. And I, I feel like sometimes that's what people sometimes get really upset about because a lot of people don't like conflict. And so they're not going to have these conversations or, you know, discuss with somebody. They're just going to naturally fall away. But it's mm-hmm. easier, I feel like, to do that as an adult because it's like, oh, but my job, oh, but my family, oh, but my kids, oh, but my whatever. So it can be easier to pull away, but it's likely that some of the real reasons or the deeper reasons for pulling away were exactly that. Maybe they just were like, I don't really like doing this activity that we've been doing together or, and you know. Because these friends, like we have so many ways we spend time together. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And I feel totally fine telling them that I'm not sure I really like, thanks for the invite, <laughs> but I don't really know. Yeah. 
or thanks for the invite, but I'm only going to come half the time because we have so many other things. I think what happens to a lot of people is you're getting to know someone and instead of saying like, hey, I don't know if this activity is something I want to do, but I really enjoy hanging out with you. Can we find some new activities? People just decide that this friendship isn't right. And it may not be, I don't know, but it also might just be that you don't enjoy this activity and you need to suggest doing something else together. Yeah. And then you might try that and it might feel good or it might also feel like, yeah, this just... I don't really enjoy this time. And like, that's okay. We'll just let this drift apart. So we could talk all day. We could keep going forever and ever and ever. I think I'm going to end this episode a little different than most. Like, I feel like maybe there were some moments in here where you realize that you, the way you're doing things is not like a wrong way. It's not a lesser way. It just is a more aligned to you way. Like, I guess, what are your biggest takeaways from like our chat today? Yeah, no, I feel so much more liberated about things that in like a little way I was maybe judging myself about, like, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking that I needed to be a different way or why don't I have this or that or the third. I actually don't mind the way that I currently have friendships. Like, yes, I like having my closest friend right now because we can talk about a lot. So if I don't have at least one close friend plug, I kind of feel like, ah, I want a close friend. But also too... I don't know. I think I was afraid to admit what I already knew, which is building friendships is really hard. Mm -hmm. And not that hard is bad, but just admitting, like I I might've been afraid to admit that, making it me be a bad person that I'm like, it's hard. I don't really want to text you all the time. I don't know if I really want to be your friend. Like, I think that conversation recently, like I was like, sure, let's try. I don't know. I don't know what friendship is. I'm the one that's never done it. And then I kind of after was like, do I even want this? Like, I, I don't know. Like, But that's the thing is like, you're also doing hard work mm-hmm. by going out there and putting yourself out there and meeting new people and trying to feel this sense of familiarity and like get a pulse on this new place that you're living. And that is all hard work. You're just choosing that at the moment. And there is nothing to say that at any point in time tomorrow a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, never, you could wake up one day and decide you want to do a little bit less of that hard work and you want to do a little bit more of a different type of hard work. It's all hard work. Neither Mm -hmm. one is like better than the other. And I think that the interesting thing is that, you know, you're saying like you have your one best friend and you would feel lonely if you didn't have it. Now, if that's all you had, I truthfully, it'll be a little bit like you're putting all your eggs in like one basket. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's true with you because I think that you are building all of these like community connections and those are valid. Like the cumulative impact of those might be just as impactful as four best friends. Yeah, because I'm getting social fulfillment from other places. Like I already went and plugged in the volleyball community here. We've only been here nine days and instantly connected with people. And then I'm already being pulled aside, like, okay, we don't want to post this in the Facebook group, but you want to come on Tuesday night to play? Mm -hmm. You know, we really like you. I think also too, I'm pretty laid back and I'm pretty easy to get along with. And that's something I I do enjoy. You know, even like you said before, the friends, we want to be able to have friendships that we can kind of like pick back up where we left off. Mm -hmm. I'm a good... I don't know, giver of that, because a lot of people tell that to me. We could not talk in years, like a good friend of mine. We did have a foundation, right? Where we had some shared experiences together. Mm-hmm. She now has three kids. She's the one I've kept the most touch in with, with the parent friends. And when we met up last time I was in town, she was like, oh my God, it's like we never, you know, it's like we never had four years between and I didn't have three kids. That's common for me to get. That's also work. I actually think that's pretty similar to what you're doing in the community stuff because you're showing up and you're like, okay, we are completely different people now than we were the last time we were really like close in each other's lives every day. And so you're like, let me learn about this new version of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is also work. I feel so liberated. I'm like really excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm a better friend than what I gave myself credit for. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of, this up, you no, know? I think a lot of people are 
-hmm. But society is just really telling us that there's like this one right way to go about it. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. Yeah. Because one, that may not feel right for people. Two, it may not, like somebody's life circumstances in this moment may not allow for that. Like there's just so many reasons that we need to stop pretending like one thing is right. And instead just focusing on, does this feel good for you right now? If it doesn't, what would feel good? And put your energy there to build that. And then also like allowing for it to change. Just because you're saying right now that you enjoy these more community-based relationships, that doesn't mean that you're that person forever. You could change your mind on that at any moment and like allowing that instead of trying to say that that's who you are. Yeah. Well, in the inverse of that, for someone who's maybe never left their hometown, has Mm -hmm. had the same group of high school friends and maybe isn't feeling fulfilled from some of the like friends they grew up with, but they're not really sure what else do I do? Because I could see how that could be someone who's maybe outgrown that experience, but they still Mm -hmm. live there. So then it just becomes routine. You get a lot of people, that's the key, the code for that. Mm-hmm. The code for that is when people start telling you that they feel lonely in a room full of people. If that's mm-hmm. you, if you are listening to that as somebody, that probably means you need to tap more into building some of these more community, acquaintance, familiar friend, defined friend relationships and putting yourself out there. That doesn't mean you can't use those to build like close friendships, but you're probably putting yourself in a lot of spaces with people where you don't feel like you have anything to connect about or they don't know the real you or feel you feel chained maybe to those relationships because they have been so long and mm-hmm. because a lot of people do hold value in long relationships i mean i think that's probably even another whole podcast not with me but a whole nother podcast topic of like mm-hmm. what happens when you have a friend for 25 years but you're like why you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but you're holding on to it because you feel like you have to or you feel like you must or you feel like you should when really like like you said all of the above is is true. You don't have to. You can do what you want. You can. So often people, when you talk about friendship, right? They're like, well, how long have you been friends? As if that is some marker that if it's, you say 25 years, it's a better friendship. That's exactly what you're saying here is like mm-hmm. that it's somehow better. We don't ask, how has that friendship felt? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you can be yourself in this current season of life? There are so many better questions to ask, but we don't ask that. We ask how long, as if it's some marker of success. Or an obligation. And yeah, Yeah. or an obligation. Or I mean, it's also like the the sunk cost fallacy of you've been Mm -hmm. friends with so long, you don't want to let it go because you've invested so much energy, but like it may not feel right anymore. So this is just another example of that idea that there's like a right version of friendship that we're all trying to force each other into that really is denying a lot of people of the relationships that currently feel good. I love the work that you're doing. I feel like it's offering opportunities, not only for guests to feel liberated. I don't know how many guests feel liberated at the end, but even just for the listener to feel liberated through the stories of the guests, through Mm -hmm. their own experience, through realizing, oh, wow, there's all these different ways to do it. And I'm not alone. I'm not weird. I'm not fill in the blank with whatever story we've given ourselves you know that we've bought into as our reality that isn't even true because stories are literally just that they're just a version of reality that we believe to be true this conversation made me so happy it truly filled my cup to talk this through with jenny to see the shift oh my gosh the shift from the beginning of this episode to the end and how she felt about friendship listening back to it I mean she was saying things like I'm just too much and I don't think I'm a good friend and then at the end she's telling me she's liberated and she does think she's approaching friendships in the way that feel right to her oh my gosh gold gold and if you are listening to this episode And you're realizing that maybe this is your approach to friendship. I hope you realize you're not a bad friend. You're not doing things wrong. Keep doing things the way you're doing them. That you are probably putting in the work somewhere. And that that is still work. There's no right or wrong way to put it in. I'm proud of you for putting yourself out there. 
what you're doing is great work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Friendship IRL. I am so honored to have these conversations with you, but don't let the chat die here. Send me a voice message. I created a special website just to chat with you. You can find it at alexalex.chat. You can also find me on Instagram. My handle at itsalexalexander or go ahead and leave a review wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Now, if you want to take this conversation a step further, send this episode to a friend, tell them you found it interesting and use what we just talked about as a conversation starter the next time you and your friend hang out. No need for a teary goodbye. I'll be back with a new episode next week.